second action. And the actors are acting in front of you. It's as if they're acting only for you. I don't restrict their performance. You can never tell from an actor, from a leading actor, what he's going to do. Act yourself, figure out how to rehearse. You just have to do it. Try to not over-talk it or overthink it. Leave some mystery to happen. Because I was an actor myself, I know what they're going for. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about our favorite friend, continuity. Yes, we love continuity so much, don't we, Bucky? Yeah, we do. <laughs> uh, continuity is basically the keeping the illusion alive. Acting, performance, film, theater. It's basically a magic trick, and an illusion. You're selling this idea, this concept, this story, and basically continuity is the the threads. The you see the rabbit behind the stage, you see the you know, you see the trick. Um so when that happens, it breaks the illusion and then you and then you it takes you out of the story. See like a film is supposed to be a story that you're involved in and you go on this roller coaster and you are totally encaptured and taken away with the story and the, and, and the film. Um, so when that breaks, then you get taken out of the film and then all of a sudden you remember like, oh, I'm now I'm an audience member sitting in the, in, in the crowd and now I'm thinking about my problems again and I'm not, you know, like film and theatre, it's escapism. And when you see mistakes and you see errors of how the trick is done, it it ruins it. And then you start to, once you notice one problem, then you see other problems. And slowly it unravels. And then, you know, generally if you notice these mistakes and you notice a lot of mistakes, things that don't make sense in the film, then all of a sudden, like, you know, if if you find films like that, those films are generally not your favorite films. The films that really do well is films that you don't notice anything. Like you're just absolutely enraptured with the story. And if it's really good, you won't notice these mistakes. You won't notice them on the first time you watch it. You won't notice them the second time. You can watch it a hundred times and still not notice it. But there are some keen viewers or people that are very obsessive about watching films. And those guys pick it up. And then they make articles about it of like, did you notice this con- continuity mistake here and this continuity mistake here? Did you notice the coffee cup in Game of Thrones? You know, like those editors and, and directors are watching that scene thousands of times and they don't pick it up. But then there's obsessive fans that are like watching every frame and capturing and then they're like, wait a second, what's that coffee cup? Or maybe they're not paying attention or they're not as invested in the story because they're, you know, on their phones and they're, not totally um, watching the film. And then they go, oh, what the fuck? What the fuck is that coffee cup doing in, in this shot? Oh, fuck. Um, but, you know, it's not as bad as today because with editing and um, film magic, you can edit that stuff out. And they did that like a week after it was released. So, yeah, we're going to talk about continuity, why it's important and why it's not. So we're going to break that down. Yeah, thanks for that introduction. Um I just want to like set the record straight to say that uh, most of this actually stems from like the filmmaker schools 
and the uh, acting schools that you tend to attend that uh, it's a huge misconception that they push for the technical um, prowess of having every little object, every, every little thing that has to be in, in place in order to serve the story. So to reiterate what, what Dean just said, um, the continuity is like putting many of the takes that you have or many of the scenes or many of the, sorry, many many of the shots or coverage that you have within a scene, putting it together in order to fit like a puzzle piece and to, to match so nothing is out of place, unless it's done for the purpose of creativity, which, you know, some directors have done it as a jarring effect to, you know, create the disturbance of a character or make something out of place to, to give audience that uneasiness. But generally, it's, um, you know, you have somebody like a script supervisor, which is on top of those things that, you know, they, they tend to be, uh, you know, driven that their only job is to find these mistakes. So you have to be very conscious of it and, you know, you have to get your actors to be very conscious of it. And the reason why we're bringing it up in terms of our podcast is um, the more you restrict your actors within the, the guise of the continuity, within them having to pick the cup up at the right time um, and to, to, you know, do these things over and over again rather than to really focus on, on the scene and give it their all. Um, you know, predominantly, like Dean and I have spoken about it before, um, their concentration can only be directed in, in one direction, right? Uh, there's a twofold concentration. Subconsciously, they know that they have to pick up the cup on a certain line. But realistically, the best, I guess, the best type of uh, directors or filmmakers or, you know, actors do not allow themselves to focus on, you know, picking up the cup on that line. Um, they have it in the back of their head, but more often than not, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Now, what filmmaker communities and filmmaker schools and, and even acting schools that I've been a part of in, in my early days of, of learning about acting, what they teach you is the fundamental ideas of breaking down a script, um, learning it uh, based on the technical aspects of you needing to be in this place at that time, needing to pick up the cup on this line, sip it um, when when you say this line or when when the character says this line, um, light the cigarette on on this line, or you know hold it in this hand, hold it in the other hand in order to satisfy that idea of continuity, the movie magic. Otherwise, the, the whole film is ruined. The whole thing is just going to go down the drain. Whereas Dean and I have done a little bit of uh, digging around and uh, we've realized that some of your favorite filmmakers have not been obliged to, to follow the continuity rules. Um, if, it, if it lends to itself that, that the, the actor in the scene is... is giving you the performance, giving you the, the emotions, giving you pushing the story forward, 90% of the time they'll, they'll overlook it because 90% of the time the audience will overlook it. They'll be focusing on, on the performance, on the story and whatever it is. So um, it's, it's something that it's, it's prevalent and deeply rooted in the ideas that, that filmmaking has, you know, it's... Um, ability to 
you know, you, you have to get these things right. Otherwise, um, if if I don't have the continuity, I might not have that coverage and the whole thing might be in the in the drain. This is why Hollywood has script supervisors, which, like I said, you know, the the filmmakers that Dean and I, you know, in, in, in enjoy and we found out how they work. They even have script supervisors, but if it comes to the cutting room floor, they'll scrap all that. If, con- if there's continuity errors, they will scrap all that to forego, you know, continuity over emotion, over performance. So, yeah, um, absolutely. Like they'll like, you know, like that what you, yes, like what, what Bucky's saying is like, they'll get that script supervisor and they'll like tackle as many of the continuity errors as possible, like while you're shooting on the day. But once you get to the edit, like that's all the film you have. And the way you cut certain scenes together, they may not match. They might there might be an error between one scene there because you might be shooting in the morning, and then you know the scene you shoot all day, and then it gets darker and the lights have changed, and now the scene has gone from light to dark, and it doesn't make sense because it's supposed to be at the same time frame. Or the clock changes, and now it's like eight o'clock, and now it's two o'clock because we've been shooting all all day long. So. There are certain issues like that, which is like not, you know, kind of technical, um, but we're talking about the performance really um, and that, you know, like there are certain things that you need to be watching out and you can take care of, but in terms of performance, you want to, you know, you don't have to worry about it as much as you think because it's all about the emotion and People generally are looking at people's faces. They're not looking at the background. They're not looking at the clock in the background. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you're right. Um, it's all a case-by-case basis. And the case-by-case basis is depending on whether it's really that um, that that kind of noticeable on the scene or on the character um let's i'll give you an example if you have a character that's at home and they've they're putting on a jacket and that jacket is relevant because they're leaving outside but then suddenly you cut outside and he's no longer wearing that jacket that is if you're showcasing that jacket as of relevance and importance then that is a continuity error that that does make sense but if it's something as minuscule as as like picking up a cup on a certain line and let's say it's a, you know, um, yeah, a two-hander scene, and I've and I've attended many uh, acting scores when I was a lot younger, um, where ninety percent of these schools um, are there to, to to give you a script, to learn your lines, to technically know how to hit your marks, and those hitting of the marks account for your hitting of the continuity, right? So uh, the focus which um, you need that flexibility is the idea of if it helps the actor to, you know, be more looser with, uh, let's say, that two-hander, having, you know, a cup of coffee or having lunch. Let's say two, two characters are having lunch. Let, let them eat their lunch rather than be kind of pushed back because they have to do it at a certain moment or they have to hit, you know, a certain line. Unless it's actually done to push the story forward, unless it's done to actually make a point within the story, like it's a a crucial moment, 
um, you know, a, a two-hander like that should be very flexible. And that's where we're coming from in terms of continuity. Um, because one of the things which, which really um, frustrates me uh, and when I do see it, I know it's a technical thing, is when I watch dinner scenes in, in films. I watch dinner scenes and all I see is characters having a conversation but nobody's eating. Or they're eating, you know, on a certain line, or they're taking a sip, you know, on on a certain moment, just just to be in line with making it look like they're a part of a scene, or it's a continuity thing that the director was like, maybe maybe take a drink there, or maybe maybe take a bite there, or whatever it is. But if you watch good films, great films, um, you know, directors work with that, like. Um, there was a great film that we uh, we watched. I think it was a couple of months back, or I can't even remember. Uh, Memories of Murder by Bong Joon Ho. Now, the reason I bring that film up is, you know, he he uses a lot of uh, scenes where the characters are eating, or you know, they're having dinner, or they're congregating around food, and you watch his characters and the way he's kind of structured the shots. It's like. It's like you know they've just gotten together just just to have food. Like they they they're at the they're at the table having this, you know, having this meal. They're not consciously aware of oh, did I did I pick up my chopsticks like that? When did I bite this? When when did this happen? I don't know. Unless it's, I believe, unless it's a, you know a cutaway or like a close up of the character to to demonstrate something you watch the wides you watch you know things happening on his dinner scenes they're they're actually there having dinner they're actually there engaging with each other so i believe that kind of fits in with with the guise of you know having the 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 mindset of you know most directors and i know you know when i was first starting out i was working with a lot of you know amateur directors and even professional directors where you know i would do a certain thing like that where you know i would come in and 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 you know have to sit at a table and light a cigarette and have have a coffee and you know they would call cut they would say oh no 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 you lit it this way you held it that way yeah i I need you to do it again and i said well you're going to cut back and forth and they said no 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 i need you to do it that way because i can't cut to the other thing and in my mind, I'm like, yeah, look, that's that's fine. It's part of my job as an actor. I have to make it work. But now I'm just all I'm focusing on is trying to hit those moments, right? Trying to hit those moments of like, where is my hand going to be at what moment? The line's coming up. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, now, now I got to take a sip. I got, I got to wait. No, now, okay, now. And I got to say my line now. And I'm doing this now, rather than having that flexibility of you know, focusing on what the scene is about and then introducing everything around it. Yeah, like it kind of, how we're talking about like continuity breaks the illusion for the audience. That kind of continuity that you're talking about in terms of like hold the cigarette and hold the coffee cup at the same time, that breaks the, the illusion for you, for the actor. That breaks the illusion for them because now, you know what I mean? Like when we go about our day, we're not thinking about how we walk or how we're like what what we're wearing or like we're not thinking about like eating you know we eat mechanically on autopilot and there's certain things of like we're going to be doing things you're going to be like smoking because i'm like this scene's really stressing me out or like this interaction that i'm having with the other person i need a drag i need to have a sip of coffee like now i'm feeling really i'm really thirsty because i've been really 
talking my guts out to this person. I'm really thirsty. And then it's like, okay, I did that choice. But now the next scene, I'm not as thirsty or I don't need that drag because, you know, the direction is different. And the, maybe the director said, hey, it's not that intense of a scene. It's actually a bit more under the radar. But there's a lot more subtext here. So you don't need to show it as much. So maybe I don't need that drag anymore. I don't need, I'm not as thirsty because I'm not talking as much because now it's all in the silences. So directions can actually change like, you know, um, what the intention of the scene is. So now, you know, but if an actor is thinking about what, you know, last time I was really intense because I did need that drag and now I don't need it as much, but I still got the cigarettes there, still lighting it, but I might not need it on that certain thing. But now because I made that choice in the previous take, now I have to like mechanically pick this up and smoke it. It de- destroys the illusion, and now I'm not I'm not focused about the other actor, you know. And well, we talked about this in a, in, a, in and we talked about this in other episodes where you know like we're we're focusing on being present, and how you be present is by listening. But if I'm worried about oh I have to pick up this cup on this line, I have to pick up this cigarette on the other line, and drag it on this line then it becomes mechanical and now I'm not present and then this is when you get terrible acting performances yeah it's um it brings me it brings me to a a story i just remembered about a um a short film i did a while a while ago and um i was working with um you know i was working with a, a, a director and and another professional actor and um you know the 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 director was uh, working out a scene between between this actor and um, trying to work out what basically the continuity of time was on the uh, actor's watch and on the actor's uh, bedroom side table. That um, you know, it's the whole conversation ended up being half an hour of deciding of. You know, was the time on your watch piece the same as the time on the bedside table? And what really stuck with me, this this uh, very experienced actor said to the said to the director, he said, "You know, yes, we can discuss this, and I, you know, I appreciate all this. Um, but if the audience is watching the clock on on my watch or the bedside table, I haven't done my job." It means they're they're watching the clock rather than watching my performance. And I thought that was just brilliant. You know, he just basically summed it up as it doesn't, you know, it it doesn't warrant it, especially for a scene that that he was about to to do. That it was a very, um, you know, very emotionally driven scene. And and it was a pivotal moment of his character that, you know, when the audience is watching it, there is no way that they'll, unless they're actually sitting there, like those sticklers of people that are watching it and going, oh my God, his, his clock says six o'clock, but his watch says, you know, 7.30 or whatever it is. Um, nobody will, will see that. Nobody will care. And there was discussion, this discussion between the director and the actor that um, the director believed that it was important that, um, you know, we we give justice to the story that it has to be this time to showcase you know to the audience that this happens at this time because that's you know doing justice to you know the story that that we're serving and the story is based on you know true events 
Um, and, um, you know, I realized that, yes, you know, you, you can, you can go about it that way, but at the same time, you're, you're fundamentally missing, uh, the heart of that scene, which is the, the moment that, you know, this, this character, this, this actor that she was discussing with is transitioning into, you know, it's this pivotal moment that that should have been the discussion the half hour discussion of of what is to transpire so um you know it, it was just a good learning experience something good to hear from you know uh, an experienced an experienced actor but i think fundamentally when when you know you you can listen to us and you can say well they're right they're wrong whatever it is but fundamentally um if we if we go back to the directors that we've kind of you know been preaching on about um their editors their people that they've worked with have said very very similar things so dean and i are basically regurgitating and uh basically making these things more concrete for you guys to, to be able to see hey they've made a whole career based on you know these continuity mistakes and people still haven't noticed that right um, you know, Martin Scorsese's uh, editor, Thelma Schoonmaker, she's basically, you know, known to, to, to say, hey, if it's not about the story, and we do have a quote. Do you, do you yeah, have, I got do you have quote a quote right here? Yeah, yeah. She goes, um, the priority is absolutely on the best take for performance. And frankly, I don't understand why people get so hung up on these issues. It doesn't matter. You know why? Because you're being carried along by the power of the film. Yeah, that's brilliant. And um, I remember, um, you know, I've seen Goodfellas like, you know, a dozen times or whatever. And there are so many continuity errors in that film that I, by so many viewings, did not even see. That there is a, a moment, and I always tell people that Thelma Schoonmaker, the editor, in one of the scenes has managed to duplicate a main character into the same scene without people noticing. So there's that scene where um where they're in the den and I think they're playing poker and and Joe Pesci's character gets uh challenged by this young kid and he shoots him in the foot and uh suddenly from from Ray Liotta's character sitting next to Joe Pesci or sitting next to one of the characters um you know this kid gets shot in the foot and then the next moment, as we cut to the kid getting picked up by all these people, one of the characters is Ray Liotta. So she's managed to 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 fool people and clone one of the main characters to put them in, in, in the film. Now you may say, oh, well, I haven't noticed her, blah, 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 this and that. Well, if you can't notice a, you know, a human being being cloned, like as a continuity error, then what, why should it matter to, to have little errors of continuity to sake to, to, to sacrifice for your performance, for your, your story. See, like she says in her quote, you know, you're taken by the film. You're taken by the idea of, of you know, this illusion of, of film. So Yeah, absolutely. And then there's the direct, uh, sorry, and then there's the editor of um, Full Metal Jacket, um, Martin Hunter. And um, there's a scene where it's the... Um, the barracks and the, all the soldiers are lined up and um, the drill instructor punches 
one of the characters, Matthew Modine, in the stomach to straighten up in line. Now, he punches with, in one take, he punches with the right fist, but in the next shot, it's the left fist that's coming back out. Um, so he actually used both fists to punch him. And um, there's a quote by the editor and he says, nobody's ever pointed it out as far as I know. But these kinds of things don't really matter because if a scene is effective, you shouldn't be distracted by things like that. Like that's what happens. And then there's another scene uh, with Walter Murch and there's uh, shots with helicopters and you see one main helicopter taking off and there's like four mini helicopters also taking off at the same time. The next shot, all those four mini helicopters are gone, but there's that main helicopter. And then there's a like uh, a scene in the in the Redux version where they're doing a stage show, and there's a helicopter propeller moving in one of the shots, and in the next big wide shot, the propeller is still it's not moving. All these amazing films have these massive continuity errors, and nobody cares. Dean's talking about uh, Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse if, in Now. In case you missed it, yeah. Walter Murch is is the uh, the editor for uh, Apocalypse Now, and he edited, uh, I believe, The Godfather, and he edited a lot of classic films. He's he's known to be the Godfather of of editing. So he wrote a book called In the Blink of an Eye, and uh, in that book, he states the uh, the laws of the cut. Um, now we're going to do an episode on on editing uh, at a later date. And we're gonna, you know, go into discussion and about, you know, how to how to look for that cut. But um, in his book, he talks about like he talks about how there's there's certain preferences when you look at a cut, you know, and from those preferences, you basically work towards the emotion first, right? Yep. So basically, the rule of six: number one, emotion, fifty-one percent. Two, story, 23%. Three, rhythm, 10%. Four, eye trace, 7%. Five, 2D plane of screen, 5%. And six, 3D space of action, 4%. Now, we'll go into detail in this future episode, but the main thing is he's cutting on the emotion. Whatever the emotion is, that's the main priority. And then it's the story and then it's the rhythm and everything else, the eye trace, whatever's happening in the space is irrelevant. So if you're going to make cuts, you go backwards. You cut the 3D space. If that's if there's a continuity error there, like then that's it. But the emotion is what's important. That's what's driving the story, which is the next thing and the rhythm of like you want to keep this momentum of this film going. Like that's what's important when you're editing. So if you're trying to cut together a scene and you know you're taking away by the story and the characters and then you're like oh sorry we can't use that cut why because the painting in the background was um you know like placed on top of the uh tabletop and now on the second shots on the floor we can't use it because the painting has changed positions who gives a fuck who gives a flying fuck? It does not matter. If people are watching the background or worried about that stuff, it does not matter. Um, it's all about the emotion, the story. Like There's a thing as well in this video um, that I watched and they said this guy did a study and he traced people's eye lines of where they're looking on the screen. 
And what people focus on is people's faces. So if there's a if there's a face on screen, they're normally looking at the person's eyes to their lips and back again. They're moving between those two points. That's where they're focused on when they're looking at a scene. So they're not looking at the background. They're not looking at that. They're looking at that first. And then if something moves on the screen, they're following that. So unless something moves in the background, you know, and it takes the attention away in the background, maybe then it might be important. Maybe. But at the end of the day, if you're if you're sacrificing a great performance because of that error in the background, then yeah, you've missed the point completely. Exactly. Dean is spot on 100%. It's interesting that he put um, the the planes of action, so the continuity as last, as like the first sacrifice, um, rather than putting it closer to the emotion or the story of character. So it's, it's a bottom-down approach and it's, uh, you know, it's sustained his career and he's edited, you know, the greatest films that have stood the test of time and I'm sure he's sacrificed a lot of continuity to to actually create those performances and yes people might actually be sticklers and put video essays and things out there to to pick out those things but look 99% of people want to enjoy a good story unless it's very jarring for them to experience that that story people don't don't really care they they just want to be involved in something where it gives them you know a sense of feeling to it so i believe that's that's kind of the best takeaway um for this episode don't sacrifice emotion and and story over your continuity whether you're working with with your actors or your or your editor uh if you're seeing the fluidity of the scene happening do not stop it for the sake of of having continuity and if you go to an acting class uh that you believe you want to audit and and take part in or you know a filmmaking school which teaches you these things as fundamentals run out the door because these things uh teach you how to have a technical film but it teaches you how to how to make you know milky toast things it it teaches you how to how to make commercials basically and that's look that's fine if you if you want to be a commercial director whatever it is but um if if you're a storyteller if you're a filmmaker and you're trying to sell people emotions stories ideas never sacrifice that and even when you when you let your actors do what they do don't put them in a cage where they have to do certain things on certain lines work around those things find those things for yourself Dean and I might not have the answers for you but if you sit on these ideas enough and you start to kind of put them together in a sense of how do I let the emotions and the story and and the actors be free enough to tell these things at the forefront of this film no matter no matter what you're doing even even if even if it's uh you know not not as strong as you think people will still pay attention because it has that depth you know that that that, that it, it depth of it yeah um speaking of acting school here's a thing for you guys to to test like don't take our word for it Here's a little exercise for you guys. Like we all hope you're going to acting school and you're taking these acting classes and learning about acting that way. Like I said, this podcast is a supplement, but the real way you're going to learn about directing actors is to do is to be an actor, is to have some experience acting. Here's what I want you to do. 
Get to a stage where you can do a performance in front of people, a live performance in front of people. Now, um, when you do that performance, there's going to be mistakes. Things are going to happen. You're going to miss a line. You're going to some, – something's going to happen with the props. Something doesn't take off or whatever. Some Things are going to go wrong, especially on like over a two-hour play. Things generally happen, either prop-wise prop or acting-wise or dialogue-wise. Things will happen. Things will go wrong. Then go to an audience after the show and tell them, did you notice anything wrong? They won't. I've never, ever gone to a show. Like I've been devastated. Like, oh, I missed that line. Oh, no, I didn't say that. Or this didn't happen. Or the prop didn't come out. Oh, my God, what a disaster. The audience has never come to me at the end of a show go, oh my gosh, I noticed that thing. Oh my gosh, I saw you guys struggling. Oh my gosh, this went wrong. Oh my gosh, you poor things. Never, ever in the history of acting has that ever happened unless they are a director, unless they've seen the show like 10 times already. They may have noticed or they've done the production before or they're a director or they've like studied the script or it's Shakespeare and everyone knows that play word for word, you know, and there's like a Shakespeare scholar, they will notice. But other than that, the general 95% of your audience will not notice these mistakes. You will die inside. You will die because you fucked up and you've destroyed the thing, the performance or whatever. But even like those people that do know it, they could see it as a creative choice. They could see it as, oh, this interpretation decided to leave that out. No, well, what interesting. What does that mean for the performance? Like, if the audience is going to think everything's intentional. So, yeah, don't worry about it. It really doesn't matter. You will die as a creative because you will see the mistake and it's going to be smacking you out, smacking you in the face. But your general audience member is not. And can I just say as well, like all these big continuity errors that are constantly shown, like you can watch top 10 lists of the biggest continuity errors. Guess what films they keep picking out for these continuity errors? They're the biggest blockbuster films of all time. These are films that are like super mega popular things where people will go to the cinema 10 times to watch this film. They'll watch it on repeat because they love it. It's like one of their favorite films of all time. Most people will probably watch your film or TV show or whatever it is once. Because there's so much content out there. There's so much film. There's so much to watch that the likelihood of people re-watching your film again and again and again and again and again is like 1%. It's stupid, you know. But like, look, if you do make that masterpiece, you know, and then people go, oh, I noticed this continuity error and they ended up talking to you like, hey, I noticed this thing. You you fucked that up. How many times did you watch my film? Oh, well, it's my favorite. I've watched it 50 times. Awesome. Great. Now you know like your film's a masterpiece. But if they say, oh, I've seen your film once and I noticed this big continuity error and then another person and then another person and another person notices it, then that's a test to say, hmm, fundamentally, there's something wrong with your film. There's something that's jarring where the you're not cutting for the emotion or you're not cutting for story and people are getting lost and are sitting outside of what the film is and they're not in the film like watching it. They're like sitting on an 
out of perspective that they're noticing all these things. So don't see it as a bad thing that people notice your continuity errors. It's a good test to know if your film works or it doesn't. So just use a continuity error as a guide, not as a thing to avoid. Like I mean, avoid it at all costs, you know, obviously. But if you're sacrificing performance, then that's the wrong way to go. Always cut for performance first and worry about like the little background stuff in the background. Cool. That's really good. Let's leave it, man. Sweet. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. See you next time.